Hi, welcome to Building a Business That Lasts. My name is Jay Owen, and I'm your host. On a quest towards stories, tips, and ideas that will help you grow a business without being stressed out, worn out, and ready to quit. Each week, I'll interview other business owners who have successfully grown businesses of all types for many years. It's my hope that these conversations will help you build a business that lasts. On this episode, I talked to Pam Wasley. She's the co-founder and CEO of Serious Executives and Serious Advisors. Pam is a serial entrepreneur and with multiple decades of knowledge and experience. She has personally sold companies, led a management buyout, and advised hundreds of companies on strategies for growth and higher shareholder value. Pam has served on several private boards and is a highly sought-after speaker. She's been featured in prestigious publications such as Forbes, Entrepreneur, Fortune, and Bloomberg Businessweek on the topics of mergers and acquisitions, the workforce of the future, and global contingent workforces. I'm really excited to bring this interview today with Pam Wasley. I hope it adds value to you and helps you build a business that lasts. Hey, Pam, thanks for being on the show. Yes, good morning. I'm delighted to be on your show this morning. So I already introduced you and gave a little bit of your bio in the intro, but you have been involved in so many different things and have had so much uh, growth and success and opportunity. But I'd like to always kind of back up a little bit and hear your story about how you kind of started as an entrepreneur, started building businesses, and and what that journey uh, looked like for you you when you first started out. Yeah, Jay, it's, it's, you know, everybody says, well, did you plan to be an entrepreneur? Did you, you know, what was your strategy? Well, (laughs) I didn't have any of that. I was just, it was just, I was kind of bored. I mean, I'm, I'm always a person that has to be trying new things and looking into, you know, new stuff that's going on out there. So literally I was doing my job for corporate America for three days a week out of five. So I was kind of bored the other two days. So in my spare time, I started putting together my first business, which was a retail store, actually. There was a void in the marketplace for women on where to buy clothes for business. So I thought, wow, that would be kind of cool if I could you know, put together that type of business and not having ever run a business, never raising capital, never hiring people, uh, because at the time I was uh, a sales rep. So it was it was a real experience and and I I learned a whole lot. I learned what not to do and some of the things that did work, but I did have great advisors. I had a great CPA, I had a great attorney and they really helped me through getting an SBA loan. Uh they gave me tips on where I might, you know, hire a store manager and I so I I went and stole the store manager from Dayton Hudson, one of the biggest uh, stores up there. And and literally, they kind of guided me through the steps that I needed to take. And that was really my first foray into entrepreneurship. And I have to admit, it, it, I got the bug. I, I just absolutely loved it. Now, I'm the type of person, though, I like the growth. I like the starting and the growth stage. But I'm definitely not a detail person. So I learned that about myself from my first venture. I love that kind of reality of understanding the things that you're not good at and to say, hey, I'm not a detailed person. That's the same for me. I'm not a detailed person either. 
And I've learned over the years that one of the best things for me has been to try and find the right people to kind of come alongside me who that is their strength. And I'm curious for you, you know, as you've had other people that have worked with you along the years, how you have kind of gone about that of going, hey, what are my weaknesses and where do I need other people who have strengths in those areas? Well, one of the things that's, that really stands out from all, all my experience and in, in my background is never hire a person like yourself. <laughs> because if you do, then they're just like you. And they'll have some of the same weaknesses. They'll have some, some of the same you know, strengths. And it doesn't help your company. You need somebody that you need people around you that are different from you. If you, if you have a, a whole company of PAMs, <laughs> then I, I literally, I think you're going to be unsuccessful because it just, it takes different strengths, different weaknesses, different personalities to be able to make a company grow. So it's, uh, I, I really truly believe in that. And that's what I've done today. I have a 50-50 business partner and we could not be any more different. I mean, there's some similarities, of course. But truly, I mean, everything I love to do, she doesn't like so much and vice versa. So we get along famously. She loves the detail and the operational back office and the, the processes and loves all that stuff. And I hate that stuff. And she hates the, the uh, sales and the, you know, the, the vision and the, the, you know, the face of the company, she, you know. So two very different personalities, but we work really well because we don't get in each other's way. We let each other strength dictate what area that they are over. Yeah, I think that's a critical piece of advice. Never hire a person like yourself. Because I think I have heard people before say things like, you know, I just want to clone myself. I just need a multiple versions of me. And that you're so right. <laughs> that is not the truth. That is the last thing you want. Exactly. That's really, really good advice. Looping back a little bit, you'd mentioned when you started out, one of the things that was great value to you was having great advisors, uh, good tax people and, and attorneys and things like that. I'm curious in those early days how you found those people, because I think that's a struggle for some people is who do I trust and, and who can I kind of lean on for advice? What kind of advice would you have for, for newer entrepreneurs or people early in business, how they can find the right mentor or the right advisors that they need? Well, it's somewhat of a trial and error because, you know, just because somebody highly recommended a mentor or, you know, a CPA or a attorney doesn't mean that they're going to work well with you or they're going to be perfect for you. So my advice there would be to, you know, get, get suggestions from your business acquaintances, your family, anyone you can reach out to that you trust and know that they will only send good people to you and then interview them. I mean, make sure that you work well with them just because they're a great attorney or a great CPA firm or a great business person does not mean that they'll work well with you. So just really do your due diligence on them and then select the one that best works. Yeah, and I think that that compatibility thing is really important. It's it's kind of like I'll, I'll make this example of people that are in, in marriages. Somebody might have a really great marriage to their spouse, but that spouse might not be a great spouse for somebody else. And it's the same thing in business. Somebody could be a really good partner for, for one person, but not for somebody else. Somebody could be a really good advisor for one company and not for another. That compatibility thing is really important. Exactly. And, and we, we look at all, that all the time in our business because, you know, we match talent to companies, executive talent to companies on a temporary part-time basis. 
And we have to make sure that it's not just the, the skill sets that they have. It, they, we often also have to make sure that the personalities, the cultural fit, the leadership style, everything has to gel for this partnership to work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things that I was thinking about as well with regards to new entrepreneurs and new business owners, I think when they listen to podcasts like this, and I have people on the show who have been in business for a long time, they just think, well, they they just always have it together. It just Things just always go their way. They just always have it worked out. And I always like to hear some stories about times that maybe were a little bit less successful for you or more difficult or, or kind of valleys you had to walk through to get to where you are today. Is there anything that stands out that you'd like to share that might be valuable for somebody else that's new in business? Yeah. One of the things I see entrepreneurs, they don't pay a lot of attention to it and that's cash flow. Mm. So earlier on um, in my career, I, you know, I, again, thank goodness for my CPA because I wasn't seeing it. I just wasn't seeing it because I was looking at the P&L going, all right, look at all this profit. I'm doing great and blah, blah, blah. But cash flow was a different story. So, um, you know, it really is, it, it's not about your P&L. It's not that bottom line of profit that you're making at the end of the day. Uh, because that could that could lead you astray. It may not be the numbers. It's they're not the numbers you should be looking at. It should be you know what's my AR? What am I collecting? What am I you know what is my profit after all my expenses? I mean what you know what is reality here and what does my cash flow look like? You know eight nine ten weeks out because if you're not looking at it that far out, then you're just you're living paycheck to paycheck. You really have to plan strategically how you're going to grow and how you're going to, well, literally how you're going to stay in business and grow at the same time. And that looking at that cash flow really is helpful. And again, I, I struggled, you know, that first year because I, you know, oh man, I got all this money. This is so cool. And, you know, then I started to get it a little, it started to get a little bit tighter and I'm like, what's, what's the problem here? So my CPA really got me back on, on what I should be looking at. Yeah, I always tell people that the numbers can tell you whatever you want them to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they can. You can make them say anything. <laughs> it's kind of like statistics and surveys. You know, you hear a statistic about this or that. And, and unless you really know all the, the perspective and content around it, you could really be leading yourself astray. And I think that that cash flow thing is is huge for business owners. I, I'm, I'm about to release a new book uh, next month called Building a Business That Lasts, same as the podcast. And one of the chapters is titled Juggling Money. And I talk about cash flow in that because it's one of those things where if people don't find ways to generate recurring revenue models or at least know you know how their receivables are coming in, Man, I, I just I couldn't agree with you more. That's one of the number one you know pitfalls for people early, and especially in those first five years, people that haven't run businesses before, especially because you look at the bottom line, like you said, and you're like, well, there should be money, but there's not money, you know, and that's a that's a hard lesson to learn for people if they learn it the hard way. Yeah, and and I'll give you an example of a company I just saw recently. I mean, literally, they were growing leaps and bounds. I mean, they 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 just couldn't bring enough infrastructure and people into their company because they were growing so fast. But guess what? Cash was awful. Hmm. I mean, they just didn't have enough cash to support their growth. And, you know, that'll kill a company. And, and again, entrepreneurs don't see it. They think, wow, I'm growing fast. I'm, you know, all this money's coming in the door and, you know, I'm selling all this stuff. 
well, yeah, but you got to look at your cash flow because you could run out of the cash flow and be a hugely growing company and go bankrupt at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've, I've seen it time and again with people and it's uh, it's really hard to watch. And I, I just love that you're emphasizing that as a key point because I think especially for people who are entrepreneurs at heart and people like you and I who maybe the details are not you know, always uh, our strongest strength, I feel like sometimes people can get overwhelmed by all the numbers and the accounting and everything else. And, and having somebody who goes, hey, these are these are the key indicators, the key numbers that you need to look at, that you need to be aware of. Um, I think a lot of people need somebody from the outside to, to point those things out to them because it can vary by business too, obviously. Exactly. Right. Well, you know, I, we, we, you know, the one thing that we, we like to look at are uh, KPIs and KPIs, you know, that's, you know, a monthly report that comes out of all your top indicators in your company of how well you're doing. Um, you know, that will certainly keep you from, you know, having a cash flow problem, having, um, you know, other issues, profitability in your company, you know, bad collections. I mean, it will just, it will just help you from running into really, you know, bad problems that are going to impact your company greatly. So anyone out there that's not using, you can call them whatever you want, KPIs, key indicators, whatever you want to call them, but they're a, a snapshot of particular areas in your company that you want to take a look at every month. Could be cash flow, could be, like I said, could be, you know, number of sales, could be, you know, whatever you want to make it. Uh, and it depends on your business, but you need to take a look at them. And they, not too many. If you get too many, then you don't know what you're looking at. So you want like four or five of those top indicators that just show on a monthly basis where you are. And by the way, they'll change over time. So maybe the first year you have these five, and then the second year maybe you have three of the first ones you used, and then you have three new ones. So again, I think you need that. Uh, dashboard, if you will, in front of you every month to make sure that you are scaling properly. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the key there that you said, too, is not having too many of them. You need to know the right ones and not all the numbers. Yes. You need to know the numbers you need to know, not every single number. And that's usually a big mistake that people make as well. Yeah, I've seen some people with as many as 20. And I'm like, how do you keep track of all that? I mean, what, what's a priority here? <laughs> yeah, really. One of the books I just read, actually, it's been around for a while, but I, I just loved it. It's uh, called The Four Disciplines of Execution. And one of the things they talk about in there with regards to KPIs that I think could be really helpful for a lot of people is lead measures versus lag measures. And I think what was interesting about it is they make the point of it's good to know how much you sold last month, but you can't change how much you sold last month. You can only change what you can sell this month. And so the the lead measure that, that, that kind of points to that ultimate number would be, for example, maybe on a sales side, it's, it's number of prospect phone calls made or emails sent or actual activity. And it's interesting, too, I think a lot of people will look at past historical numbers only and not look at current active numbers. And those things, can, I think, can be really important for people, too. Absolutely. That's that's very good tip because a lot of people just don't think about the current. They're only looking at the past. Right. So we uh, talked a little bit about 
areas of difficulty, but I'd love to hear a little bit about kind of areas of success. I know uh, you have a book out called How I Fired My Boss and Made More Money, very attractive, uh, attention-getting title, especially for somebody who's looking to do that type of thing um, and start their own business. I'd love to hear a little bit about that book, how you wrote it, because a lot of people want to write books, how that kind of process came along, and, and maybe some of the key points that, that have value um, out of there that people might be interested in. Yeah, the book was written for two audiences. One, companies that are starting up or just smaller companies. It was also written for our interim executives. Um, You know, we've been in this business for 13 years now, and we have over 9,000 interim executives across the United States and Canada that we place. So every time we got a, a new interim executive, onboarded into our company, we, (laughs) they always ask the same questions. So two years ago we went, okay, this is, why don't we just put it out there? Why don't we just, why don't we just write a book on this? Then we don't have to, you know, we could just send them the book as opposed to, you know, going through the half an hour or whatever to answer all their questions. We'll still answer their questions, but at least this book will be a guide for them for any question that they might have. So that's what we did. And, you know, we're a very transparent company. We, I mean, we, we're going to tell you everything. We're not going to hold back because there's no secrets. If you want to be successful, you got to follow the steps. I mean, some people read it and go, well, this doesn't help me. Well, what have you done to follow the book? Well, nothing. Well, then it's not going to help you. But it really helps a company. Here's some areas that are in the book that I think are really critical. So how do you get clients? How do you market? How do you price your products? You know, how do you write contracts? You know, there's, again, and how do you treat customers on the back end? How do you, you know, what, what's, what's good customer service? All of this stuff is in there. Plus, not only did we answer the questions that our executives have asked us for the last 13 years, we also went out to our top interim executives that are making well over a million dollars just, you know, as a solopreneur, just as a one-person business. And we took their their success secrets and put them into this book. And we tried to make the chapters very explicit. So if you're looking for something specifically, all you had to do is go to the table of contents and you'll immediately see, see where you need to go for what chapter. So it was very, it was fun writing this. And we actually wrote it in, I think it was four and a half months. Hmm. My business partner and I did did the writing on it and it was, it was really quite fun. Um, in fact, we're looking at writing another book coming up, but it was tough because you did have to spend quite a bit of time on it. Plus our editors always send red lines back and saying, <laughs> fix this, <laughs> as you know, yeah. but it's, um, I'll tell you what, we've really gotten uh, a lot of people have gotten the book. They've gone to Amazon, they've downloaded it from our site. I mean, and they've really learned a lot from this book. So that's why we put it out. Cause we, again, we're not trying to hold any secrets. We want everyone that reads this book to be successful. Yeah, you know what I love about it too is it it's not just ideas or things you think might work, but but things that you've actually practiced, you've seen other people practice, you've helped advise other people to do, and, and there are things that you actually know are going to work for people. I think that exactly. is really critical. One of the things I love to 
talk about because this is really important to me. Um, and that this question looks different for everybody. I've got five young children who range in between five years old and 13 years old. So my work-life balance story might look different than somebody else. I always say it's not really a balance anyway. It's a blender. You throw it all in there and some days you need a little more spinach in your life and some days you need a little more strawberries. But um, I'm curious for you, what that means to you, what does work-life balance mean to you, and how have you avoided over the years not ending up like a lot of entrepreneurs do, which is, you know, worn out, stressed out, and ready to quit? Okay, so um, my, my first two businesses, I was worn out and stressed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it wasn't until this third business that I have now that I, it, I finally got it. I don't know why I was so hard-headed that I didn't get it before now. Um, I think, I think one of the reasons was, you know, I, I didn't want to lose my relationship. I didn't, you know, I certainly didn't want to upend everything, my friends, my family, I had to do something. So now here, here's how I've, how I've handled it. I look at everything I do as an appointment. So an appointment means, you know, spending time with family, uh, spending, uh, quality time with your spouse, uh, spending quality time with your friends. So everything I do goes on my calendar. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, and it could be, you know, even on Fridays, uh, I try to take a, about a four hour slot of time and I just book it out. I just book it, you know, you know, quiet time. And during this period of time, I actually get to go out and and research my competitors, research the marketplace. What else is new out there? What are we not doing that we could do better? Or here's something that'll help us get more, you know, bring in more technology or or more automation. So even that is a time slot on my calendar. And it's it's great because now I can fit everything in. Sure, there are some days where there's just a lot going on and I get a little bit stressed. But I always have that time built in my schedule, whether it's that day or the next day, where I have a little bit of time to breathe. Because it's just it, you know, if you don't have time to breathe, your your mind is cluttered. Your mind is it's so full of trying to put out fires that and to do the day to day that you just don't have time to think about solutions that are right there in front of your face. So with this, these quiet times, and sometimes it's just sitting with family. It's just, I mean, it's just, or, or going on a hike with a friend. All of a sudden, I get some of my best ideas because we're talking about something. You know, I'm getting a lot of fresh air, a lot of exercise. And, you know, all of a sudden, she mentions something and I go, oh, oh, you know, that, that could be helpful in the problem or the, the things that I'm going through at, at my business. So I have to tell you, once you unclutter things, it's a miracle how many new ideas and and fresh thoughts you can come up with. It's just, it's great. So again, by having this calendar that's full of private time, you know, business time, quiet time, exercise time, I just feel like I'm very organized. And by the way, I'm not a very organized person, but this helps me be organized. And I, I just feel more productive. I feel more rested and I get less stressed. 
I just love, love, love what you're saying because I do the exact same thing. And it's always interesting when I connect with other people. That's why I love this podcast who have been in business for a long time. So often we, we've never worked together before. We've never really connected before this interview. And yet there's so many similarities of things that we do that we, we probably picked up from other people along the years. But this idea of time blocking to me or, or blocking out your schedule with intentionality is just huge. And if you're out there listening and you're not doing this right now, what some people tell me is they feel like they it, it looks really stressed out when their whole calendar's full. So like I do the exact same thing as you, Pam, like on Fridays, I actually block out three to five every Friday afternoon. It just says weekly wrap up. It might be me taking a walk, might be me doing some reading, might be re- reviewing some tasks. It's just my time to do what I need to do that day to kind of uh, feel refreshed before I go into the weekend. And some people say that that looks stressful because their whole calendar's full. But what I always tell them is if you don't schedule your calendar, then the whirlwind is just going to take over your life and it will schedule you. And and we oh, either have yes. to, yeah, we either have to choose to be in control of our schedule or the schedule is going to control us. And uh, and I just love that advice that you just gave. I think it's absolutely critical. Well, Jay, absolutely. I, I really you you said it. If you don't schedule your calendar, it's going to schedule you. And that's scary. Yeah. <laughs> you talk about stressful. That's really stressful. <laughs> yeah, because there's always, especially, you know, as you grow in business, there's always somebody who wants to ask a question or needs something or, or this or that. And, and they're, they're not all bad things. Like, you know, there are a lot of things we want to say yes to. Um, but I was told one time, this really resonated with me, for everything that I say yes to, I'm saying no to a thousand others. And and so as a result, what you're talking about here, of this blocking out your schedule ahead of time, is you're deciding what is the priority and what you have to say yes to. And, and as a result, you're controlling your own life instead of just submitting to the insanity that life can become otherwise. You know, Jay, I had a friend of mine the other day. She she was looking at my calendar and she says, "Jeez, I I I I don't know how you have time for everything. No wonder you couldn't schedule me, <laughs> you know, for us to have lunch for you know three weeks." Mm-hmm. I said. Yeah. She said, "But I see some things in here that you probably could have changed." I said, "Look, I said I get that, but you know, in business, there's got to be times that you have to think, and if you bombard yourself with." all these things that you're actively doing, and you don't have time to really think. I said, I, you know, I, then I'll, I'll go to lunch with you and I'll be so worried about, you know, some things that I didn't get done at the office and this and this and this, that I won't enjoy our lunch together. So it's better that I put you off for three weeks mm-hmm. than go when I'm just stressed because I'm trying to squeeze everything in. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree with that. And, and anybody listening, I, I would highly encourage you to, to try it out and see if you can make it a habit because I, I believe schedule blocking is one of the, the biggest things that can set you free as an entrepreneur and as a business owner. Pam, one of the le- next things I always like to ask people is about their own personal growth. You know, you spend a lot of time doing shows like this and, and working on uh, materials for your business and helping other people on your team and helping clients. And it's easy to always be pouring out and not be pouring back in to yourself and helping yourself continue to grow and learn and be educated. Because I know, you know, continual education is probably a very important thing for you as it is for many business owners. So I'm curious for you. Where are the places that you go when you need to kind of get motivated, get educated, uh, kind of get revitalized? Is it a book? Is it a person? Is it a conference? Is it a blog? Where are you kind of filling yourself back up from week to week and month to month? Yeah, um, there's actually several ways. Well, first of all, I get up really early and I exercise. That's that's all my calendar. So I have 
just do it. And if I don't do it, there's some days where I have early meetings or I have to, you know, I have to travel somewhere and I really have to get up early just to get there. So, and I really, I feel like I've cheated myself on those days. I'm just not at the top of my game. I just, I just like that exercise bump in the morning. But some other resources, um, absolutely. I read a lot of business books. I read a lot. In fact, I read uh, the Wall Street Journal and certain uh, other publications every morning. In fact, as soon as I come back from working out, then I sit down with, you know, reading the Wall Street Journal and reading uh, publications. And I take that time because, again, I want to know what's going on in the world because the world is just because you're in the U.S. or just because I'm in California doesn't mean I shouldn't know what's going on across the United States or in London or Japan or China. So I really try to keep up with what's going on there. And then I get a lot of great ideas from companies actually outside of my industry that, you know, like like travel industry, the travel industry. I can't tell you how much I've learned from them that I've applied to this business. I mean, we're in this, the temporary staffing business for heaven's sakes. What's travel got to do with us? Well, it's just amazing what I've learned there. Um, and it, you know, it could be anywhere in your business. I mean, this happens to be in the, the, the technology on, and the marketing area, but again, don't limit yourself to your industry. Don't limit yourself to just, you know, certain things, you know, really reach out to as many resources as you can. And make, again, make that time to sit down and be able to really read through or, you know, really get the emphasis on, you know, what they're trying to tell you and what tips that you can leave with. It's important to your growth. And if you stop doing that, then you're not going to grow and you're, you, you know, you're just going to get stale. Uh, in fact, our interim executives we make sure that we are always, we're always asking them, so what are you doing to keep up your skill sets? Because I don't care how good you are today, tomorrow is a different story. And if you're not keeping up on your skills and what's going on in the world, uh, you're just, again, you're going to get stale. Yeah, and I think that's critical advice, too, for people that are starting to grow uh, teams internally and encouraging your own team to block out time on their schedules for continuing education. Um, and, and I always try and make that a point with our you know monthly one-on-ones that I do with our team of, you know, hey, is there an area that you want to learn and grow in? Let's find some resources there. And if not, here's some areas I think that you could learn and grow in. But helping your team do those things, I think, uh, can be really critical. And sometimes my team will bring something to me and say, hey, have you thought about this? I'm like, wow, that's great. I need to do that myself, you know, uh, and that can be great, too. Yeah, well, I just want to mention one book that's uh, just really cool. It, it really makes you think. It was it was the one book that I actually read, and I I read a section, and I had to stop and think about it. I mean, it was just a, it was such a great book. I really had to take time to think, you know, so I'd read a chapter and then, uh, you know, I'd take time to go hiking or whatever, but I'd, I'd read it so that I would have time to really think about it. And that's Disrupt You. And it's just, it's a fantastic book by Jay Samet. And it just, it makes you think about, everybody says, ah, everybody's done everything there is to do out there. There's no new ideas. Oh. <gasps> Oh my gosh, that's so untrue. I mean, mm. that's there are so many great ideas out there today. And entrepreneurs, this is like, I mean, just reading this book as an entrepreneur, I get excited because I'm like, whoa, yeah, I see where they did that in that industry. And, 
you know, how you can do it in other industries. I mean, it's just, it's fascinating. It just makes you think. So for anyone that really wants to think outside that box and really have a good time doing it, read that book. It's disrupt you. It's great. I literally just added it to my audible uh, list. So I'm excited to check it out. So I've not read that. So I'm looking forward to, uh, I'll probably listen to it first and then maybe read it as well. So thanks for that advice. One last thing I always like to ask is thinking about that new entrepreneur, somebody who's maybe just starting a business, or maybe they've been in business for four or five, six years and just trying to figure out how do they get, how do they make it to that decade mark? Is there any other parting advice that you might have for them on how to build a business that lasts? Yeah, uh, it's big because it can be a killer for you. Just because you're good at what you do and you started the company does not mean that you're the best at everything. Mm Mm-hmm. So let go and delegate, you know, again, look for that person that is not like you, you know, bring them on board, train them, let them go, you know, make sure that, you know, you're, you're right there for any questions they have or whatever. But I guarantee you, you know, the people that we brought on board, they're so much better at doing the things that they do than I ever was. So just let go because if you don't do that, you your company will never grow or it may kind of grow by default, but eventually it's going to catch up to you. So absolutely delegate, delegate, delegate as your company grows. That is a hard advice to learn sometimes, but once you do, it is priceless. <laughs> and I just couldn't agree more. Now, I know uh, before we leave, you have a special uh, content offer that you want to share with our guests. And do you want to give out the link for that for them? Sure. So we like to make it easy. Our company is called Serious Executives, but this particular link is Get Serious. So G E T Serious is spelled C E R I U S. So getserious.com forward slash building businesses that last. But let me tell you what you get at this site. It's really cool because we have like six offerings on there and you can download one. You can download all of them if you like, but they're tips on how to have better cash flow. It's tips on how to have better profitability, how to hire talent today. And it's also, you can download a free copy of our book. So, like I said, you can download one. You can download them all. Uh, it's our gift to you. Wow, that is really great. I will go check those things out myself uh, right now. I'm looking forward to that. Um, you know, what's really neat about having a conversation like this is now people have an opportunity to go out and take some action on it. I think it's easy to listen and, and kind of either agree or disagree with things, but then not actually do anything about it. So anybody out there listening, go check that out, getserious.com slash building businesses that last. Um, I'm going to go check that out myself. And uh, Pam, I cannot thank you more for being on the show. You've been a, a pleasure and a delight and really uh, enjoy your uh, knowledge and insight through all the year years of business. Well, Jay, I've thoroughly enjoyed it, and you've just made this so easy. It was like a conversation, you know, you sitting right across from me. So this was excellent. I hope this episode has given you some ideas or inspiration that will help you grow your business. If you found it helpful and you know somebody else who might benefit from it as well, I would greatly appreciate it if you would take the time to share this with them, maybe on Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn, or even shoot an email over to a friend uh, with a link to this podcast in it. And if you haven't already, make sure you sign up for our email list at buildingabusinessthatlasts.com.